Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly Manchester United show. I'm your host as always, Phil Brown. Not my regular weekly show with James, doing this by myself tonight. Sunday night here in California, I've had a day to digest United's disappointing results against Crystal Palace. I'm going to add a little bit of a monologue, a post-mortem to not just United's uh, result yesterday, um, but um, the start of the season. And, of course, some other very familiar repetitive signs that United has shown us. Um, I've been concerned about United many, many times in the past. And uh, I think this may be one of the worst. Um, this is probably one of the times where I've been most concerned. But where United go from here, uh, I'll try to explain why. Um, what I saw and what I've seen with United this season is extremely concerning um, because what United are lacking in games is the most basic fundamentals that you expect a professional athlete to bring to competition. When you are asking a professional athlete to get out of their comfort zone, to do things they don't want to do, the type of things you have to do to make sure you win, especially at the elite level, where small small metrics make a big difference. And the recipe for success includes many things. It includes self-discipline, motivation. It includes the will, but it, more than anything, it includes belief. If you don't believe that you can be successful in any goal, you are not going to do the things that's going to take you out of your comfort zone. And if you're being asked to accomplish a goal that you've repeatedly failed at in the past, then it gets harder and harder to instill that belief in an athlete. And what I see in Manchester United players seven games in is they lack the belief. And I think for some very good reasons. So if you look at United's cycle over the years, it's always the same. New manager comes in, you see enthusiasm and performances, you see players playing well, you see encouraging signs, and then it all falls apart. And if you look at all the managers United have had over the years, since Moyes, even top players, they've been trying to tell you this. Take a look at, say, Louis Van Hall, a winner. A guy that uh, has been successful pretty much everywhere he's been, with the exception of Manchester United. A guy that's qualified to make assessments about whether you have a winning environment inside a football club. A guy that, just like many others, was seduced by United's reputation and name. And then when they got there, he found out that there's nothing inside United that's commensurate with a football club. He's working off first principles of success, sporting success, is the only definite definition of success. It's the only thing that matters. Um, Louis van Gaal can clear spoken about the fact that he needed a commercial football club and it is impossible to succeed inside there. He was succeeded by Jose Mourinho, another serial winner, another guy that's exceptionally well positioned to determine whether you have an environment that's set up for success. And he turned around and famously said his most successful achievement was finishing second with United because no one was aware of what was going on. 
behind the scenes. He was followed by Oleg Gunnar someone that worked under Alex Ferguson, that knew the football club before, and he's in the mess of it, so now another guy. He was exceptionally well placed to judge United's environment uh, and whether it was set up for success. Solskjaer in a recent interview said that United have a number of players that think they're better than what they are. They're surrounded by enablers. They're surrounded by people who are telling them they're better than what they are. And uh, this is a disease in modern football. Uh, Solskjaer, of course, was also limited to three signings a year, pretty much. Um, and uh, I mentioned this in my podcast before, but having seen some internal communications from Manchester United, he was also heavily restricted in recruitment. He wanted Erin Holland, he didn't get him. He wanted Jude Bellingham, he didn't get him. He wanted Moises Caicedo, he didn't get him. The list goes on and on. He wanted Thiago Alcantara, didn't get him. He wanted Milan Skriniar, didn't get him, despite the fact that these players were repeatedly offered to United. Solskjaer inherited a Manchester United where he couldn't find a player that wanted to take the captaincy. Once one of the most cherished roles in football. Now struggling to find a taker inside the dressing room. You might ask, how is it that players are allowed to survive at Manchester United doing such a thing? Surely that is surrender. Surely that in itself should result in the upper management saying these aren't the right characters to bring Manchester United back to the pinnacle of English football, European football, but no. So he goes. Then Ralph Branya comes in. A guy famous for building football clubs from the ground up tells you that United need open heart surgery. Because what did he say? It's obvious. You don't need glasses to see the problem. And then you have Eric Ten Hag coming in saying he needed to change the culture. Why did he need to change the culture? A culture that was cultivated over a decade since Ferguson left. Inaptitude. A, com- a, a, a football club run with the culture were the only defining the only defining success that matters to the Glazers is financial and everything's a derivative of that. We know that we've never had a lined interest with the owners of this football club ever. The Glazers aren't waking up on Saturday morning sick as a parrot if United lose. If say Richard Arnold was during Joel and Avram on a Saturday morning go, hey, we lost 5-0, but we lost, but we, but we made 20 million this week. I doubt they'd even hear the 5-0 part. But then we get to the players. Let's take a look at some of the players United have had over the last decade that have been telling us what's going on inside that football club. Started with Wayne Rooney, for example, questioning United's ambition. He was right. That was the time when City were really starting to emerge as a serious competitor. And you could see that they were outpacing United in every single metric. That's what you have to do when you're trying to catch somebody that's ahead of you. You have to outpace them. And eventually, they caught United. They won the league. Ferguson retired. And then the differential really took place. And let's look at some of the other players United have had over the years. Alexis Sanchez wanted to leave after a week. A guy that had won 
trophies all over world football. Wanted to leave Arsenal for the same reason, because they were a football club in exactly the same position that they're in right now, weighed down by their history, but don't have the resources to compete anymore to deliver on the demands that the history has of the present. We have Cristiano Ronaldo telling you that he wants to leave because standards have dropped. Angel Di Maria, a guy that had just won the Champions League, comes to United first month or two, exceptional. Wanted to leave after a few months. Edison Cavani, a guy that had won trophies all over world football, wanted to leave after his first season. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. What did he say? You need to have a small time mentality. Before I went there, I thought Manchester United were a football club. They were desperate to win trophies or win a machine, but when I got inside the football club, I found out otherwise. They nickled and dimed him. They charged him a pound for orange juice. And as he said, it's the little things like that that make a difference. That show you what their priorities were. And the list goes on and on and on. And now we have Jaden Sancho doing the same thing. And who are the players that have no problem surviving in that environment? The Harry Maguire's. What's Harry Maguire ever want? Why would Harry Maguire not want to leave Manchester United? See, top players who are at the top of their game, they would find that environment intolerable because to them, success by winning trophies and everything else is what drives them. They're gonna to make top money anywhere. So United can't keep players like this anymore. Players that wanna be successful, players that define themselves by success will not stay at Manchester United. It's so predictable, a year in, they want out. Because they realize after a year they've been lied to, that this has got nothing to do with sport and accidents. That they are in the dark ages when it comes to the things that determine sport and success at this level. When it comes to analytics, sports science, when it comes to preparation, when it comes to facilities, when it comes to all the things that give you that incremental difference to determine whether you're going to be successful at this level. Those are the things you have to have a steadfast commitment to, financially, ideologically, and everything else. Everything inside your football club has to be primed for sport and success. And what that's going to mean is sometimes you've got to take a financial hit. You have to be able to come to Joe Glazer and say, hey, Joe, we need to get rid of this guy. Because he's toxic in the dressing room. We need to set an example to other players. And we cannot be successful in the sporting sense if we do not keep that culture that Eric Ten Hag is talking about needing changed. And then Joe Glazer is going to work off Joe Glazer logic and say, well, hang on a minute. To get rid of this guy is going to cost me 30, 40 million, the football club. You're stuck with him. And then what happens? When you get dissatisfied players, you get unmotivated players like Scott McTominay, like Harry Maguire. And then that toxicity spreads to the dressing room. And then you create a culture where players know 
that they can down tools because they'll blame the manager and they're allowed to exist perpetually in this environment where they get paid for no success because average players are okay with them because they're not driven and managers that have tried to get those types of players out have never been successful. Jose Mourinho wanted rid of Anthony Martial. And as Jose has said before, time has spoken. Time has certainly spoken. That was the right decision in hindsight. Because they recognise the characteristics of winners. And in an environment that's not set up for success, Winners will not tolerate that. Harry Kane left Spurs this summer for that reason. You look at players that were brought up through their clubs that you think exceptionally loyal to their football clubs, they came through their academies. Steven Gerrard wanted to leave Liverpool for the same reason. Saul Campbell left Spurs for the same reason. And now I think Marcus Rashford is in exactly the same place. See, here's the problem that you have with players like Rashford, Casemiro, Varane, real winners that have won everything. When you're seven games into the season and you've lost your first four, how do you now go to these players and say, okay, we're out of the title race, but let's make sure we give everything to finish top four? Does that motivate them? I don't think so. When they get someone like Eric Ten Hagen at the start of a season and everything looks like it's improving and there's being progress being made and they're finishing third and they're winning a trophy. You you can instill that belief that things are improving. But then when you see what United did this summer in comparison to other teams, teams that are ahead of them, Real Madrid, Manchester City, Arsenal, that belief starts to wane, starts to sag. And then they're right back where they find themselves many years, over the, over the course of many years. In that familiar old position where they don't believe there's any real meaningful change. Arsenal finished second. They were eight points clear on April. They went out and sent Declan Rice for a hundred million pounds, which would have dramatically improved Manchester United. Manchester United's two midfield signings, one, Mason Mount, who played nine games for Chelsea last season. Decent player. Um, but not the type of player that's going to come in and make a world-class difference like Declan Rice. The irony is Declan Rice scored the goal to put Arsenal 2-1 ahead against Manchester United. That difference shows up immediately. Harry Kane goes to Bayern Munich. Um, a player that would have dramatically transformed Manchester United. Bayern Munich, not content with winning the league last season, go out and sign one of the top strikers in the world. Because that's what top clubs do. The irony is he scores against Manchester United the first time he faces them. United are forced to sign Amrabat, basin player. Um, not a bad player, but not transformative. On loan, with a break clause in January. Regulon on loan with a break clause on Jan in January. Guy that was getting released by Spurs couldn't make his way on the Tottenham's team. Two guys, by the way, that if you look at their enthusiasm in the first couple of games, looks great. 
And where have we seen this before? We see this with new settlers that come in. They have enthusiasm about playing for Manchester United. It still means something. And you saw it with Rasmus Hoyland, first couple of games, tremendous enthusiasm. And then it disappears because they, just like every other organism, adjust to their environment. An environment that is Disneyland for bluffers. A place where you can survive forever because you see the Glazers are not in this to compete with Manchester City on the field. They're not in this to compete with Liverpool on the field. United have been telling you this for years. Whenever Edward were turned around and said, we don't have to be successful on the pitch to be financially successful. Now, no one, even the most charitable Glazer supporter, would argue that they have an emotional attachment to Manchester United beyond the utility of United to them, which is purely financial. No one would really believe that the Glazers are more desperate to be successful on the pitch than they are off the pitch. I saw an article last week saying that uh, you know, have the best in class in their commercial department. Well, that's the only place they have best in class. Why do you think that is? You think that's an accident? Manchester United and the way they're run are a reflection of the values and personality of the owners. All businesses do that. The control parameters from the top are reflective of the demands of the owners. There is no football metric that Richard Arnold or Ed Woodward has, could, could justifiably keep their job. Yet, none of them have ever been sacked. Managers have. Players have. But they never have. Why do you think that is? Because they are delivering on the Glazers' demands. And that's just make sure we make money. Cruising altitude for the Glazers is top four. Exactly where Arsenal used to be under Wenger. Wenger was a world-class football manager, but he didn't have the resources to compete. Once Abramovich came into the game, 2004, I think it was, 3-4, that was it. Arsenal, last time they won the league was when? 2004. Never won it again. Why? This football club couldn't compete financially. It's only been recent that that change has been made and then you're seeing the difference on the pitch. So United are where Arsenal were, probably worse because at least Wenger kept delivering on top four. Well, United have no meaningful infrastructure where they can build on success because they're not trying to be successful on the pitch. If you go to Joe Glazer and say, Joe, we need 20 million to invest in infrastructure to build out the sports science department, bring in the best nutritionists everywhere else. Joe Glazer's going to look at that and go, yeah, I'm okay with finishing top four. If this is what it takes to win the league, I don't really care about winning the league. You know, whenever Manchester United wanted to go into the Super League, what was the biggest attraction in the Super League? Guaranteed revenue without accomplishment. Closed competition. Guaranteed cash. No incentive to invest at all. United finished bottom in the Super League every year. It doesn't matter. There's no relegation, just like the US sports. In fact, they reward that failure with first-round draft picks, everything else, Glazers Paradise. Get United into a close competition where there's no incentive, there's no meritocracy, and you will have those people 
in there for life. You will never get rid of them. Never. So we know that our relationship with Manchester United is not the same as theirs. These are people that don't share the same views that you and I do. They don't even share the same definition of success that you and I do. And see, we see people blaming our Ten Hag saying he's got to go, he's this, he's that. How many times do we need to learn the same lesson? Because someone else is going to come in and experience exactly the same thing for exactly the same reason. Eric Ten Hag is a manager. And he manages a business, a business where the culture is already set from the top down. The ultimate power lies with the owners. If there was accountability for sport and failure from the people that run the football club, like Richard Arnold, then okay. But see, the thing is, Richard Arnold isn't incentivized for sport and success. Richard Arnold is an accountant incentivized for commercial success. There's a reason why the people that run the club are never held accountable for perpetual failure. It's a reason why they're never held accountable for the football club getting embarrassed on a week-after-week basis by toggling between one scandal and the next. Scandals that would bring down any other president, CEO, just one of them, who had any degree of morality or held himself to any human standards of decency. Because they'd be mortally ashamed that this would happen on their watch. The reason why the Mason Greenwood thing worked out the way it did was because United were working off one principle. How can we find a way of making sure that we can keep Mason Greenwood and make it palatable to the people in the media? Because the one option that was not available to Richard Arnold was sacrificing what the Glazers will have seen as a hundred million pound asset for ethical reasons. There's a guy called Jamise Winston, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, they drafted Jamise Winston a month after he had a court case filed against him for charges that were almost identical to Mason Greenwood, in fact, in some cases worse. Didn't perturb them enough to say morally and ethically, that's incorrect, we shouldn't do that, that violates our code of ethics. Not to get political here, because you're all entitled to your own political beliefs, but the Glazers contributed a seven-figure sum to an individual who's a convicted sex offender. Repeated, a convicted sex offender, someone who stole from children's cancer charities, someone who is an out-and-out fraudster, violated every moral and ethical norm. And I know politics is a wash with that, that exists on all sides. But anyone that was holding themselves to any standards of decency, where that type of thing would bother you, wouldn't do that. If you had any moral scaffolding whatsoever, you would not be able to do that. So you see, United have no ethical and moral guiding principles because the owners don't even hold themselves to any standards of decency. Their father, what, 
and the old saying, what's in the dog is in the puppy. But a father litigated against their own family, or a family inheritance, until there was nothing left. He was also sued by trailer park owners. You know, people at the very lowest end of the financial spectrum. For what? For charging them extra for having children and pets. It broke the law. He was sued by Harley Davidson for illegally inflating the price of stock on what's called pump and dump. These are people that have shown you exactly who they are time and time again. But these are people incapable of benevolence. Incapable of feeling any duty of care to Manchester United as a sporting institution. If they were Manchester United fans and cared one iota about United's reputation, image and on the field success, they would have sold, they would have held their hands up and said, we had a good go at this, Manchester United and their success is the most important thing here. We'll walk away with a, with a healthy profit and we'll let someone else take a reins because we care about the football club. But in order for them to do that, they'd have to compromise their own beliefs. They'd have to compromise how they're hardwired to think. They'd have to have a complete change of personality. They'd have to have a complete different set of values. And what we're asking of them, they're not capable of giving you. No matter what Richard Arnold says, no matter what their statements say, they've never kept a single promise they've made. These are people who, despite alleged to be owning the biggest football club in the world with the last Premier League club to have a women's team. Why? Because they didn't see any commercial value in it. They don't invest in anything without there being a return. All summer we heard about FFP hamstringing United in the transfer market. This is the reason why they couldn't sign Harry Kane or Declan Rice players that really would have transformed the football club. But that wasn't entirely true because as Kerry Maguire showed, they could have mitigated FFP by a hundred million pounds if they wanted to reinvest it as FFP would have allowed that to happen um, if owners wanted to reinvest a hundred million. Trump change around an hour compared to what they've pocketed off Manchester United over the year. Right. And if they had any concern about Manchester United sport and success, that would have been the right thing to do. You could turn around and say, Ten Hag spent money, which he has, but it's how they spend it. it. Has to be stretched out of five, six, seven players, players that aren't good enough to win your leagues. But the problem for United is the players that are good enough to win your leagues, you have to retain their confidence. You have to retain their belief and their commitment. And as I said earlier, how do you now motivate players like Casemiro and Marcus Rashford to finish in the top four? When they will be saying to themselves, certainly Marcus Rashford, we've seen this so many times before. I don't believe them. I have no confidence that anything has ever changed. That there's ever really meaningful change at this football club. You can be upset at Marcus Rashford, but the reality is this. Marcus Rashford could leave Manchester United tomorrow and go to any top football club in the world, so could Bruno Fernandes. 
So maybe one of the few that actually could. How do you now get players to do things when that you need them to do to win football games to be successful when they no longer believe they can be successful? You know, another sport that I love is boxing. Marvin Hagler once said, it's hard to get up at four in the morning when you're sleeping on silk sheets. Once you're financially well off and you're in a comfort zone, to get people to leave that comfort zone, to do things you don't, they don't want to do, that require enormous discipline, self-sacrifice, the things that require you to be successful at the very highest level, consistently. You cannot get any human being to do that without them believing in what you're asking them to do. How do you restore belief in this United team? If you look at Chelsea's two European Cup wins, they happened after they sacked their manager. Roberto Di Matteo came in and won them the Champions League and the FA Cup too. And it happened after Thomas Tuchel came in. Both those managers were sacked. The year after, they won the Champions League. Because, for exactly the same reason, players were temporarily convinced that things had changed meaningfully and they found out that that wasn't the case the season after. And it cost them their job. And so you need to go through this perpetual cycle. But the problem is, the players that have been there a few years that are true winners find this intolerable after a while. As I laid out earlier in this podcast, a list of true winners at Manchester United that don't need to be at United to make a lot of money, that are desperate for success for legacy reasons and other, because their personality drives them, because they bring standards to a club, standards that got them where they are. They find this environment intolerable. United Stadium is a reflection of the decay that's gone right throughout the football club. Anything that doesn't have a potential return on investment that you can't stick an advertising logo on or you can't get a sponsor to partner with, you know, is of very little value to the Glazers. You know, if you look at a player, how many times have you seen a player saying for United, they didn't have a social media account, they certainly do immediately after. Because it's branding. How much can we make off you? How much are you worth? Not what sport and value do you have? And this determinant metric infests every decision at the football club at boardroom level. When you have no alignment, between sporting and financial interest, and financial interest supersede your sporting interest every single time, you will be in constant disarray. You need to go on these tours every summer. Go back to Mourinho. Mourinho begged them to go to one coast, a guy that was notorious for fast starts in the Premier League. I remember Ferguson saying, we can't get off to a slow start against Chelsea because they're notorious for getting off to fast starts. A guy that knew what it took to get your players fit and ready for the start of the season. And he told United, just go to one coast. Don't fly across the country. He lost that fight. 
And of course, where were they? He really lost his job. That summer before, they were in the U.S. Ten Hag tried to mitigate this a little bit by bringing under-23 squads so that some of the travel was broken up. I'm not saying Ten Hag's blameless. No human being is. But there is no manager out there that won't make mistakes at United. There is no manager out there that can be successful in this environment. Because at the bottom line is this. A coach is like a mentor. They can advise you. They can give you direction. They can refine your game. They can help you. They could. They can improve you. But ultimately, it's always down to you. It's always down to what's intrinsic in the individual. It's always down to your relationship with the company you work for. Are you motivated beyond the chat? See, if you're only motivated beyond the chat, if the only satisfaction, only nourishment you're getting is your chat, we've all done this. We've all had jobs where we don't like our job. We don't like the people we work for. You know, but it pays decent money. So what do we do in that situation? We do enough just not to get sacked, but we're constantly miserable because we're rarely performing in our job. So we're always worried about getting sacked. We're always worried about getting found out. When you're not motivated to do the job you're being paid for, you can never thrive in that environment. Maybe you like the job, but you hate the environment you're in because it's toxic. I don't care if you're the most positive person in the world, you're the most successful person in the world. Human beings adjust to their environment. Eventually that wins. And successful people will not tolerate that, they will leave. Bluffers will stay there as long as they can. But they'll always let you down. So when you see things like 7-0 to Liverpool, imagine that happened at a Real Madrid. A club that defined itself by sport and excellence. That would be a, 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 that would be a catastrophe. Just losing to Barcelona, what's 5 0? You know, when that Pep Guardiola team happened, what did, what did, what did Florentino Perez do? Went out and saying, Kaka, Ronaldo, Benzema, one season. And they ended up calling themselves the best club in the world. Real Madrid went out and said, Jude Bellingham, best young midfielder in the world. And look at what's happening. He's not trying to fit into a system. <laughs> you know, he's not trying to adjust to La Liga. He delivered immediately, exceptional, true, genuine, world-class quality. United, we can only dream of making a statement like that. We can only dream of being first in line for an Mbappe or having an Hendrick coming. You know, we're still trying to get goals out of Anthony Martial. Anthony Martial would be kicked out of 19 or 18, 19 Premier League clubs. Maybe he'd still be around at Sheffield United and Luton. Maybe. And I'm not blaming him for his injuries. But how is Anthony Martial a legitimate squad option for anyone who takes himself seriously? I mean, it's an insult. This is a serious problem at United. 
and I worry for Ten Hag because not that he's going to get sacked, but I worry more that he could leave. And the reason I don't think he's going to get sacked is simply because United can't afford to sack him. They can't afford for him to go and then to bring another manager in and to fund a rebuild. They don't have the money anymore to do that. United don't even have the money really to compete for top four. I mean, if you look at what they needed over the summer, they decided to pass on genuine top quality because they couldn't afford it. So are we really surprised? Imagine if you're Marcus Rashford, Castanero, I, I keep picking out these players, but key players in United's team. They just finished third, right? They were in a title race, you know, up until they won the Carabao Cup. Look at the United, they beat Barcelona. When their belief was rolled throughout the football club, when they believed there was genuine progress being made, the club was put up for sale. You know, Woodward's gone. Okay, now there's a chance of meaningful change, structural change. This guy, Ten Hag's coming in, laying down discipline, infrastructure, demanding the best. Looks like we're going places. And then the, you know, the, the, the balloon gets burst over the summer. Junior sitting there talking about Harry Kane and all these top players, Dakin Rice, you know. And the players you need to end up signing are not players that convinces world-class players they're going to compete. Rasmus Hoyland scored nine goals last season for Atalanta. He's United's main striker. Julian Alvarez scored nine goals for Man City last season and he's a backup striker. Mason Mount scored nine, played nine games for Chelsea last season. You have to go back a year before that to find a productive season. So he wasn't signed because of how well he played last season. Serious injury concerns about him. Was he? I think he's played three, completed, completed three games. Amrabat brought in on an emergency basis. Regulon, you know, brought in on an emergency basis. These are not players that any serious football club would sign to solve a problem. These are stop gaps. Nothing wrong with these players to fill out a squad. But they're not serious players. Johnny Evans. Love Johnny. Depends what question you're answering. You're asking if he's the answer. You know, squad numbers. Well, you need to need genuine quality to improve. Serious football club would have turned around and said, we will find a way to get Harry Maguire out of this football club. Because him being here is far more of a detriment and an impediment to our success than him being gone. Yes, it may cost us money. But it's money worth spending because it gets us closer to our goal. The Glazers are not capable of thinking like that. So you're never going to get that. You know, people often say they spent a lot of money. Here's the thing. When you go to the market, the stock market, and you're asking investors for money, you do so on certain conditions. If you're going to go to the stock market and say, hey, we're not going to spend any money on our team. We're going to take it all out. Well, you're not getting investment. You're not getting people that's going to give you a couple of hundred million, you know, 
for stock options in their company. So they have an obligation for United to invest their own money. But I always believe that their father told them, look, your job, make sure you take dividends out every year. So you've got nice little pocket money. You've got 11 million, 12 million a piece every year. Perfect. You know, that's fund your lifestyle. Leverage the business till it helped. And then when it's leveraged and it's saturated with debt and there's no more money you could take out of it, like their dividends have stopped, that's when they put the club up for sale. As soon as United couldn't make the first dividend payment, there was a strategic review. Of course there fucking was. Right? Of course there was. That was always the point that was going to put United under selection pressure. That's the point where you put it on the market. And the Glazers do not see United's value on their team. They do not see United's value on their infrastructure. The New York Yankees value isn't what? It's brown. You know, and someone in Burundi's wearing a New York Yankees hat. Almost certainly they're not thinking about how they've done in the World Series or how they did last night against the Oakland A's. They're not thinking how great their stadium is, or their facilities are. And if someone wants to buy it, that's what you're buying. You're buying the reach of the brand. You're buying the brand recognition, not the stadium. Wouldn't matter if Manchester United played in the street or in the park. It's what you can use that brand for, because it's instantly recognizable across the world. This is why Old Trafford is decayed beyond belief. A reflection of what the Glazers think of Manchester United. Once a state-of-the-art stadium that was the envy of world football. Now famous for a history that they had no part in creating. Nostalgic value in a creaking antiquated stadium that has infrastructure that's so outdated that it couldn't be included in a euro package to host the euros. Imagine that. The stadium's so dilapidated that its technology was not commensurate with 2023 safety protocols. That's a total disgrace. The roof falling in. A couple of years ago, they had to call the police for a suspect package in the bathroom, thinking that someone put a bomb in there. It was the security company they'd had that was doing a safety drill a couple of days before. Rank and aptitude. Embarrassing the football club every single day. No principles at all. So this is why the football club is in constant crisis. Because the people inside that are in charge of the football club are doing exactly the same thing the Glazers are doing. Their only interest in United is personal enrichment. They don't do anything they're not compensated for. They're not capable of caring about something beyond themselves. So as they all pick in the meat off United's carcass, 
we as fans find it excruciating to watch because our emotional commitment to United is in its well-being. Not in how it pays us. The difference between them and us is we pay for this. They get paid for this. And yet they are the ones that tell us what we can't sing. They are the ones that tell United fans what you're allowed to say and what you're not allowed to say, what's okay inside the stadium, what's not. I fucking dare you. Why? Because, you see, protest and speech is always a threat to the tyrant. Always a threat to those who want to subvert justice, who want to sodomize the football club. They've tried to silence podcasts. They've tried to silence songs. Take flags. They've slandered fans, slurred, you know, protests, protesters. Why? Because our interests contrast those. We want you to meekly lie down and accept that they're going to pull for this football club. And the cohorts on the inside who would like you to like to tell you that the Glazers are nice people. Fuck the Glazers. I don't want nice people. I want people to care about this football club and they've never once done that. So when it comes down to culprits for this mess, Ten Hag doesn't deserve the criticism he's getting. I understand it from young kids, you know, 16, 17 now, who don't know any better. If you're a time server, if you know better. It's consistent. One consistent thing since Ferguson then. She made it on constant chaos. Someone else, some other pro manager is going to come along and sacrifice his reputation for these people. And be stained. By their ineptitude, by their greed. So until we get recalibrated interests that align with sporting interests, this is always going to happen. You can't be successful in the Premier League anymore without a steadfast, total commitment to sporting excellence. It's not nothing standing in the way. Constantly updating your technology, constantly looking for the best staff in class, delegating football decisions to football people. Not usurping power from football people and putting it in the hands of accountants who couldn't tell a bad manager from a good one. Who have no idea what a good player looks like and what a bad player looks like. Who's making determinations on players based on their immediate commercial value. This is why United can no longer sign and refuse to sign someone like Erling Holland at 4 million. I guarantee you, Simon Moises Caicedo. It was, eh, we don't want to send these kids because there's not much commercial value in them. So we'll go send a Cavani because we can sell how many shirts. And we'll get them on an NDA so that when they leave, they can't say anything. What are they going to say that we don't already know? So we're... The people that have to watch this every week, the people that 
have to pay for the city with the people that are subjected to continued diatribe of bullshit from the football club about commitments to this and apologies and we'll learn from this the same bullshit rhetoric that they've been saying forever that they never learn from because they're not trying to learn from it it's just always been about buying time the illusion last season when Ten Hag started badly what happened they reacted you got Casemiro and Anthony not before, after, right? Because they knew back then they wanted to sell the club. And they didn't want to do it in the backdrop of Ten Hag feeling, especially after the season they just had. So what gimmick are they going to use now? Another manager? Like they, can't, they can't send any more players. They don't have any more money. I mean... Last January, they sent Jack Butland, Fred Veghorst, and Marcel Sabitzer on loans. You tell me what serious Premier League club, in the midst of a crisis, that are trying to finish in the top four, or arguably compete with Manchester City. Remember, in January, United were in a table race, right? And say, here, Eric. Here's Marcel Sabitzer, Vout Veghorst, and Jack Butland. City have an injury to Calvin De Bruyne. They go out and sign Matthias Munoz. Bring in Josko Vardiol, a player that Ralph Ranić recommended to United. Top, you know, top young defenders in the world. Kovacic. Jeremy Doku. And what do we have? Like I said earlier, if you needed to catch City, they need to outpace them for a couple of years. They can't even keep pace. So now we don't have the money to buy players, to buy time. Another manager to give the illusion that they're trying to compete. They're out of gimmicks, out of money. And they're stuck with the manager they have because the squad is filled with out ten hard players. Along with players that have been there for years, they no longer believe what United are telling them. And it's written all over their face. And it's been written all over their face from that Wolves game. United have a serious, serious problem. And we can all we can all blame who we want. We can turn around and say Rashford, etc. is part of the problem. The reality is this, and we knew this from last season. United have no chance of being successful without a totally committed and focused Marcus Rashford because they just don't have the quality in other positions where they can share that load. Marcus Rashford knows that more than anybody. As we saw when Lissandra Martinez got injured against Sevilla last season, that's when everything fell apart. That's when they started conceding goals. They were 2-0 up in that Sevilla game. Look at every single goal United conceded home and away against Sevilla. It was a disaster. Every single one of them was an embarrassment at this level. Why? Because you're putting in players to replace them that are nowhere near the quality, focus, or commitment who were just there to pick up a check and who know they're never going to be held accountable for poor performances, who have never won anything in their career 
and I'm happy to end that way. You can't be successful with prayers like that. That in itself should have been enough for him to move him on. Look at Ferguson moved Yapstam on for. For almost nothing. Look what he moved Ensign Hughes Kachalskis on for. Minuscule incremental decline. Boom. Out. Look what they moved Beckham on for. Boom. Out. Imagine no standards today. Imagine one bad season, one incremental decline. Look what they got rid of Berbatov for. Right? One of the things, one of the criticisms of Ferguson had of Berbatov was he's, most of his goals were at home. What we give for a player of that quality now. So why the standard slip? Because after Ferguson left, accountants ran the football club. And they recalibrated it for one thing and one thing only. So the thing they're incentivized for and that is financial, commercial success on the short term. Monetize the fuck out of United's history while it's still recent. Is that of bias enough time and bad years? And now they're a bit of a difficult spot because they're sort of exhausted now. And with the attention span of the internet as it is today, where everything's immediate, this is a problem. I live in America. I can tell you this. I work in youth football out here. I understand it's anecdotal. I don't see you kids wearing United tops. I see them wearing city tops. And I see them wearing Arsenal tops. I don't see United tops anywhere. I go to San Diego State Cup. Every youth team all across California, a massive state, plays down there. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I didn't see one single Manchester United shirt. I remember being in a hotel, wanking these kids up because they were all wearing city tops. You, I, I mean, I, I coach kids here and they would constantly mock me over United being so bad. So the problem with monetizing the history is it only gets you so far. Lots of clubs have learned this lesson. So, not only do they not have the expertise at the football club to, even if they had the money, to bring about at Sport Nexus, because that's hard. Requires you to be committed to that every day. It requires leadership. It requires people that know what they're doing, and it requires people to know what they're not good at. And when people are making money, a lot of money, they're very reluctant to dilute responsibility and power so that it doesn't take away from their earnings. This will never change, never change at all until we have a change of ownership. Because everything is derivative of them. Every problem that United is derivative of the Glazers. Every single one. And it is impossible to evaluate a manager in that environment. Because there are so many reasons to not blame a manager, and the players know this too. There's always a reason to blame somebody other than them at the football club, and there's always a way to survive at United when you repeatedly fall short of standards because there are no standards anymore. Sorry for this long 
rant, badge, right, whatever you want to call it, it resents my frustration. But um, you look at Chelsea, lads, Chelsea's don't want to listen, guys. They have similar problems to United in that they have no identity, they don't really know what they're doing, and it's being run by people who don't understand football. And when managers have no ability to discipline, when they can't determine, they go, you go to Chelsea and say, I want this guy out. I can't get him out. He's on an eight-year contract. You're stuck with him. Good luck, lad. You get exactly what you get right now. You need to have a, 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 exactly the same problem for a different reason. You can't get rid of him. Why? Because it costs too much to replace him. So you're stuck with him. But he's not motivated. He doesn't want to be here. I don't care. Okay. And then what happens? They get a contract in it. Whether they consent to it or not, by the way. Like Patrice Abbott, what was he saying? Woodward sent him a contract renewal through the post after he told him he wanted to leave. And now you've got players that are way through this that are saying, if you extend my contract an extra year, right? You know that add-on year? I get 50% of the transfer fee if you do it solely for the purpose of the transfer fee, just like Fred did. So Fred got half the transfer fee, which United didn't want you to know. So, you know, I'm not saying Ten Hag doesn't deserve some criticism, but anybody that thinks that this is causal from manager Dan, that this is the result of a bad manager, that, uh, I would have to vehemently disagree. I'll be back on Thursday, folks, with another podcast, um, depressed, depressing as it is. Um, we are consigned this football club for the rest of our lives. We have no choice. To, to go through this and experience it and we have no choice it's a labor of love but these are the real reasons why in my opinion this will never change why this club is a two-year entropy then every two years it's in its own protestry it's in its own death spiral for exactly the same reason no structure no foundations to build on. Everything crumbles because it's all superficial. And you bring in new personnel, they find you out. And yet they've never been able to make that jump from being second, third into really serious title challengers because that requires exceptionally functioning departments that have symmetry, that are that that are primed and 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 and, and incentivized to be the best in class, that are funded to be the best in class, that's what gets you that jump from second to first. And United are not trying to do that. That's why it will never happen. All right, thanks to all of you for listening to this. Apologies for this going on longer than I intended. Um, but uh, I'll be back again on Thursday. All right, take it easy, folks.